Can that be a verb? I just got interned. All right, and welcome everybody to an episode of the Eating Over Easy podcast. I'm Andy Little, and I'm joined with three amazing guests, some voices that you might know and some that you don't. So we'll let everybody kind of introduce themselves, and then we'll get on to the episode. I'm Hannah Laurie. I'm one of the chief residents at Doctors Hospital Ohio Health. Hey, everybody. My name is Molly Estes. I work at Loma Linda University in Southern California. Good morning, good evening, good night. My name is Nicholas Meyer. I'm from Doctors Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Long-time listener, first-time caller, right? That's it. Yeah, that's right. So I think sometimes in medicine, it's really easy for us to expect those that work in academics are supposed to be the teachers. But I don't know about you, but I have found that actually teaching is a job for every, it's part of a physician's job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at one of the synonyms for doctor, it's teacher. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of talk with the group about this idea that as physicians, teaching is a part of your life, whether you're in academics or whether you work at a med school or whether you work at a residency, that wherever you work, you're always going to be teaching somebody. And so I wanted to kind of do a deep dive into this idea of why is teaching such a big part of what doctors do? And then what are some ways that you can kind of change your mindset to become a better teacher? So the idea of doctors as teachers, when you hear that, what comes to your mind? I was going to say, it's why I became a doctor, actually. I had spent a lot of time in non-traditional route of getting to medicine. As Hannah alluded to a little bit earlier, I lived in a van and played in a band and went across the country and did ministry work and thought that that was going to lead me to seminary and then took some time off and became a teacher and taught special ed and then got to this crossroads in my life where I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to become a teacher and pursue that? Am I going to go do ministry? And uh, it ended up being that medicine gave me the opportunity to do all three because I could be a teacher, a healer, and a minister all at the same time and uh, really opened an avenue and a door for me to be able to do that. And like you said, you're constantly teaching your nurses, your patients, giving them information and trying to explain it in a way that they'll understand to be able to process it. I completely agree. It's it's kind of interesting. One of my duties and responsibilities as a med ed faculty at Loma Linda is to do this session, this resident as teacher session to all of our um, interns who are becoming second years. Because as a second year resident, a senior in the department, now you're responsible for really taking responsibility for our students and, you know, growing up the new baby interns who are coming behind you. And a lot of times we feel completely inadequate teaching because, well, I've never been taught how to teach. And I try to make the point to them that, first of all, you have been teaching your entire life, whether you realize it or not. And second of all, for all of them out there who think that they can ignore me for two hours because they're not planning on going into academics, I'm like, no, 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 your responsibility is going to be to explain things to people your entire life. And teaching is not something that is unique to our profession, but it is just something that is innately human. You take any person out there who is willing to explain anything to anyone else, and that is teaching. Teaching is the passing of information from somebody who knows more about something to somebody who knows less about something. And it is something that we just simply do as human beings. And as physicians, we have a very unique subset of knowledge and a very unique responsibility to be able to pass that information on in a way that can make sense to somebody who hasn't spent 25 years in school Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. all of that, you know, experience and knowledge. It's, it's a very unique privilege and opportunity, but not something that is exclusively restricted to a certain set of walls. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think of medicine in general, I think of a lifetime of learning. 
you know, I went into medicine so that I would never get bored of what I was doing at work in a certain way. You kind of commit yourself to this ever-changing thing um, that you're going to continue to learn the rest of your life and to continue to grow the rest of your life and your career. Um, and I think a big piece of learning is also being able to teach and solid- re-solidifying that information over and over again. I think also we have a very pay-it-forward mentality, right? So you remember, or hopefully you try to hold on to remembering being that third-year med student, that the fourth-year med student was helping you out, and so on and so forth, especially like second years with interns. As I get out there and I'm about to be a new attending, I hope there is a more attending or attending that kind of shows me the ropes, you know, because they remember how how it was. Um, you know, we're also dealing with this big transition period with nursing staff, I think nationally, but certainly at our shops as well. And realizing there's new clinical nurses that didn't get as much experience because of COVID or new cohorts coming in. And that it's also our job and responsibility to teach them and show them the ropes as well. I like what you both said just there. And it's as simple as like when you're sharing a recipe with somebody, you're teaching. When you're explaining somebody how to get to the coffee shop behind the hotel, you're teaching, right? You're showing people a different way. And it doesn't have to be up in front of a lecture hall or formally done, right? Because even writing something down, like on Reddit last night, when we're looking how to get down the cliffs at Sunset Beach, it was written down and there were instructions there because somebody wanted to teach somebody else how to do something. And and we're doing it every day. Spoiler, we did not summit the cliff with we did the not rope use to the get rope. to the beach. It, it did not look we very sturdy. We became too much of emergency medicine physicians You're at like, that moment. You're like, benefit here. <laughs> yeah. I can Correct. fall and break my neck How, and not have a job anymore. Yes, How right. much yeah. do I want to tour the emergency rooms <laughs> of San Diego? <laughs> exactly. We're, like, we're kind of far from the hospital, <laughs> yeah. too. We Googled exactly. it. We're like, yeah, yeah it's... Well, and I love the idea of having grace with learners, too, right? Because it can get very frustrating and very trying when you've explained the exact same thing to the, you know, third new person, intern, student, nurse, who, what have you, patient of the day, and to come back at it every single time with the same level of patience and the same level of dedication to understanding. It takes a lot. And I think when you bring up the patience, but there's something about that aha moment. I don't yeah. know if you like, it doesn't matter who it is. You can just take that little bit of time to give them that aha moment that it just makes everything worth it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of like endorphin rushes at work. It's cardiac arrest, it's procedures. And then it's actually teaching is up there with like my base, my best patient interactions are when I can teach them something. I can explain to them why everything's normal and why that's okay. Exactly. And why I don't know why they have abdominal pain, but they're not going to die today. One of my all time favorite question moments leading to a moment like consistent teaching satisfaction is always gallbladder stuff and walking up to the patient saying, hey, so you have gallstones. I know exactly what's causing your pain. You have gallstones. They're like, okay, cool. And they're smiling and nodding. And then you ask the question, do you know what your gallbladder is? And immediately, no, no clue. Have no, no idea. No. They're like, I have a bladder that's not my bladder. Yeah. Literally, yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the thing that they can use sound waves to? No, that's, that's kidney stones. And one of my brothers uh, got all the artistic genes in our family, like all of them. He actually does graphic design. But I have now mastered drawing a, a silhouette of a liver and a silhouette of a gallbladder on the back of my patient list or in the back of the scrap of whatever paper in my pocket to be able to explain, hey, so this is what's actually going on on your insides. And just the level of reassurance um, that our patients get when they actually halfway understand what's going on with them. Nobody wants to go home blind, right? We are definitely a culture and a society who want to understand. 
And providing that is just so huge. It's amazing to bring a drawing a picture. I draw pictures for diverticulitis because nobody ever knows what that is. And so literally like all of our rooms have a paper towel thing. I'm like, so you have diverticulitis. And then if they've, you can tell real quick, blank stare. I have no idea what that is. And I'm like, well, let me draw for you. So I do the whole hand wave. It puts it a paper towel. I draw a colon. Yes. I'm like, and then in different parts of the colon, these little pockets called diverticuloses. And when those get infected, you get diverticulitis. It's this whole like picture thing. And I'm like, man, I've devolved to a third grade teacher, but it's what the patient needs to understand what's going on. And there's a ton of gratification in that because that patient's, they almost never have to, I never have to go back in the room. Nursing can discharge them pretty easily and they don't come back because they understand exactly what's going on. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think almost about 50% of what we do in the emergency department is educate patients, right? A lot of people find us because they lack the health literacy or don't speak. I mean, medicine is a completely different language and it's a completely different world to navigate. So half the time it's just like, you need a primary care physician so that you can get the MRI to get you to the PT to get, you know, we, I can't fix all these things today. Here's the actual process. But if you have no one in medicine, then you just, you don't know, you don't know how to navigate the system. You don't speak the language and it can be incredibly difficult. So yeah, I, I would say 50% of what we do on a daily basis is educating our patients. And I think, and that's when you bring up that number, that means that we have a 50% chance of not getting it right. Exactly. Which is why sometimes we'll see people come back. And I did a project at doctors with one of our graduated residents and we looked at bounce back rates and we looked at that among residents. That really wasn't the focus of the study, but when you actually went deep into the data, about a third of the people that bounced back was because they didn't understand their results. They came back, they still felt crappy the next day. They didn't have any of the symptoms that said come back, but they didn't understand why they still felt crappy. And so they came back and it really either took a long education session with that patient to explain, well, let's go over what they did last time. We're not going to do anything else extra. Let's just do top to bottom. And it's because whoever saw them the time before maybe thought they gave them appropriate discharge instructions or thought they educated them, but the patient did not understand when they left. And so they didn't have a family doctor. They didn't want to go to an urgent care. And we were ones that saw them. So they came back just to get educated. It's such a humbling experience because... I would like to think it's very rarely that any of us inadequately educate our patients because we don't want to, because we're having an arrogant moment or, you know, a little narcissism after breakfast. But it's very humbling to realize, oh, I fell into the trap again, right? I made assumptions that my patients knew what I was talking about. I didn't take the extra two minutes to really see if they understood what I was saying. And it happens to all of us and it happens on a consistent basis because we get busy, right? We get busy and we've got 70 people in the waiting room and I've got no beds and holding 30 admits and this, that and the other. And to have to continuously remind ourselves, nope, bring it back, bring it back. What What is the essence? What is the mission? What is the purity of what we're tasked to do as physicians in this moment? Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. It really does come down to the minutes sometimes. You know, it's like, well, if I go back in this room right now, that's another 10 minutes that I don't have to use elsewhere. But it is so important to, you know, we are always prioritizing in the emergency department. That's our job. But making sure you're keeping that priority, because I totally agree on a busy day. Once you recognize they're not dying, <laughs> that they're going to yeah. be okay. Sometimes you're like, okay, job done. But there's so much more to the job than that. Yeah. Well, and with protocolization of medicine at times too, right? There's a There was a big push for a little while there that nurses could give the discharge instructions as well and explain things the same way. And I think there is a little bit of disconnect there sometimes. And it's really easy to say, I'm busy. Here's the instructions. Can you make sure you talk to the patient? If they have questions, let me know. But sometimes that statement or conversation doesn't even happen. So those papers go up and that patient's gone. And you're like, oh, I really wanted to get back in there and tell them 
something else. And what you don't know you is you just gave them a foreign language 10 For pages sure. of it. Exactly. Said, sure. Here are some words you don't understand and that are and put in arrangements you don't get. But have a good day. Well, right. And, yeah. well, exactly. And half, half have time, been educated. Half, half the time we don't have the language <laughs> written down for mm-hmm. what that patient speaks. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I've had this question on one of my step exams, right? Like the answer is never give the patient a pamphlet explaining their thing. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that's what, mm-hmm. that's what we're that's inclined exactly, to do. That's right, exactly right. what we do. And it's so easy to get. Nobody ever comes to the emergency room. Well, very few people come to the emergency room because they want to hang out and have a good time. You know, you know, even us on our best day, we're not exactly going into work because we want to hang out and have a good time. So everybody always comes because they have a question, because they've got a worry, because they've got a concern. That is the reason why they got up off their couch and waited in your waiting room for 16 hours in the first place. And it's so, so easy to get frustrated. I just told you you have earwax in your ear. That's why your ear hurts. Now go home. But unless you can figure out what their question is and answer that question, then you can talk till you are blue in the face and you will never get there. Well, what are you concerned about? What did you think that this was? Was Well, I had a brother, a sister, a cousin, a friend who had the same pain or similar pain and they ended up having cancer. Well, let me now educate you about why you don't have cancer. Yeah, I think that question is so key and actually will save you so much time as well and less less guesswork or reading between the lines. And actually, I think it was um, Bruce Jones that really emphasized that any questions or concerns at the end of every interaction. And it really does get you so far because at the very least, you're addressing whatever it is they wanted. And sometimes that saves you a lot of time and a lot of work up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll never forget. And it was, there was a language issue and it was a patient spoke a dialect of Spanish that we did not have. Like, so we were, she was talking to her cousin who spoke regular Spanish. She was talking to an interpreter who was talking to me. And we did this round robin for like 15 minutes. And then finally, like I figured it out that the patient thought she needed an MRI tonight. And like 15 minutes later, I didn't know what it was. And we finally figured out what was the question. And then like in, with a 30 second explanation, she was fine to leave. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And before mm-hmm. I went in the room, she was yelling at nursing and she was, you know, because nobody understood her and nobody's taking care of me. And it was like, time out. Let's go over what do you really want. And then we just figured it out finally. And then she was amenable to go. And so, yeah, there's so many times we just have to find what what's the actual question. And that's where sometimes as a teacher, you have to ask that open ended question, like, what questions do you have? And not I have information. You will now receive it. <laughs> right. And then you will leave. Right. Right. Well, when we're not feeling good, who wants to read 30 pages of Sintinales, right? You got a headache, you're vomiting, you're having diarrhea. Like you as a physician who speak the language don't want to read 30 pages out of a chapter of tints when you're not feeling well. So you got somebody who's sick in the department and you hand them the, that's why we have so many blue papers in our parking lot. We could have a bonfire for a week, you know? Oh, I, yes. Walking out through the parking lot and seeing all the discarded discharge papers. It is soul crushing. Yeah. yeah. It's just absolutely soul crushing. And the instruction, discharge instructions are wrong. Our discharge instructions for concussions still have, make sure everybody wakes you up every two hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's guaranteed to make you feel worse and come back the next day. It's, it's funny you make that point. I actually do take the time, if it's a slower shift, to read some of the discharge instructions to make sure what I'm saying and counseling them aligns with whatever. Cause we just click these hyperlinks for whatever chief, you know, whatever discharge diagnosis we're giving, not knowing really what's in those instructions. And it's really interesting every now and then to see what those instructions actually are saying. If you were to, be imparting wisdom to somebody, if you were to be teaching somebody on how they could be a better teacher, knowing that your audience is broad, right? So it's patients, it's it's residents, it's co-attendings, it's, uh, it's nurses, it's ancillary staff. What would be your tip? 
So, I mean, I struggle immensely with this. I'm part of our med ed teaching track for the past two years. We do journal club every month uh, over breakfast talking about ways to give feedback. Um, as uh, Nick alluded to earlier, sometimes I am a little bit more blunt. So I'm very insecure that my delivery is going to bring somebody down. And I never want somebody to be intimidated. I want it to be a, an approachable, safe environment. I think, unfortunately, teaching is very your style of teaching is very specific to the learner and who they are. So I think to be a most effective teacher, a lot of the time you have to know them a little bit and meet them where they're at. If it's just a brief interaction, um, I think trying to form more of a conversation versus a, I'm just talking to you and creating some sort of cohesive back and forth is a lot more effective or leading the learner to the answers versus them, them feeding all of the information and creating some more active learning. Um, I mean, I struggle with teaching a lot still um, as I am still continuing to learn. Um, and it's almost a little bit of that imposter phenomenon. Like, I don't know everything, so I'm not in a place to teach but then you realize, you know, you do have some, no matter where you are in your, your career learning process, you do have things you can share with others. Um, and I think just being open to doing that and being approachable. Yeah, I, I love you bring up building a relationship first. I have found that people that if you've taken time to know their name, know their significant other, find out if they have a dog and a cat and like a little bit about them, they're way more receptive to get that. Did you know? But if it's just like the first time you meet them, like, hey, let me pound you with this fact because you don't know it. Like, this doesn't go as well. For sure. <laughs> Molly? Yeah, I was actually, I, I had two answers, the science answer and then the philosophy answer. And the philosophy answer is exactly that. There has to be trust. In order to teach anybody, there has to be some sort of very basic trust relationship. And especially if you're doing physician to patient education, that trust is so essential. I mean, we're taking somebody, talking to them for, you know, usually less than 10 minutes and telling them, yes, I know best. I am doctor. Do what I say. And no, of course not. Like no, nothing ever, no friendship ever was built off of a stressful interaction at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, in 30 seconds or less. But you have to find some sort of common ground. You have to establish some sort of human to human relationship so that they will listen to you. So establishing that aspect of it is very, very key. My science answer is in order to begin teaching, you first have to know where to start. And that involves assessing what the other person already knows. Your learner is going to be frustrated, whoever they are, if you tell them something that is too basic and they already know, just like they're going to be frustrated if you start way, way, way too advanced and are, everything's going to go completely over their heads. So I've heard from my students that I'm actually rather intimidating on shift because I ask a lot of, well, what do you already know about this questions? But what I try really hard to explain to them is, is I don't really care what you do or do not know. I just need to know where to start. And the same thing goes for our patients and for any sort of ancillary staff, and it can all be handled in different ways, but you need to figure out what they already know to figure out where you go next. And I think part of that kind of goes into, you have to be observant and receptive when you're teaching as well, right? Because you need to find those moments of vulnerability where that person doesn't truly understand what's going on. You need to be able to read their body language as well. I think that's a big part of this, right? You got to know when that person is shutting down and not listening anymore because then you're both, you're wasting both of your times. Um, and then part of that, as you're kind of feeding through, I think we need to get off of the high horse, right? Because teaching isn't this, 
I'm up here and you're below me and I'm setting information down because that's how teaching works and changing that mindset and putting yourselves on the same playing field and then bringing it back to like Hannah said and making that a conversation where you both can walk away with knowledge gained. Yeah, I think it's so important to know where your learner's at. I mean, there's nothing worse than getting an intern level lecture as a third year. And it's like, Ooh. so do you just think I'm, I'm dumb or like what's going on? <laughs> I mean, all of us have had that attending, right? That yes, they they teach sure. the same 10 things. And yes. it doesn't matter whether you're yeah. an intern or a fourth year, <laughs> yes. they give you the same lecture and you're just like, I'm three months from your job. I know the yes. six can't miss differential diagnoses for chest pain. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. And so it's definitely reading your learner. You have to know where they're at. Too. Quick sidebar. My last day of residency was with that attending. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you guys all know exactly who's uh, being talked um, about. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm working with that attending. And I remember I came in, I was the day shift. And I literally like they come in and I, hey, how are you? It's my last day. Uh, I'm just going to see patients and you better see them before they leave. And we're not going to talk because <laughs> I was like, I'm a chief resident. I'm literally because I was like, I'm, you're signing out to me tomorrow. So like, yeah. I was on the schedule for the next day. And I was like, I'm not going to get interned today. Yeah. <laughs> and, was, and they were like, oh, oh, oh OK. <laughs> so, and go. And by the way, there's six people ready to leave. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can that be a verb? I just got interned. Like, yeah, I just got interned. interned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely tangible interned moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think my thing would be to have grace with grace with learners. You know, we don't always know where they are. Sometimes we'll see something that we're like, man, we got to fix this. And then as, as Nick said, like they'll shut down seconds into the conversation. And there's two ways you can act there. You can get real angry or you can just be like, and check yourself. And that's where sometimes as, as, as people who teach, we have this idea that I am a doctor, you know, hear me, hear me pontificate for, and it's no, like, have some grace for people. Not everybody's always in a great place to learn and they're not always in a receptive place to learn. So really kind of choose when and where you do it, building that relationship first and then being receptive to like reading the room at the moment. Not everybody's going to be in a place where they can learn. And so it's really important to be able to know in that checking process to say, okay, is this a problem with me? Is there is there something I can fix? Is there a way I can rephrase? Is there a way I can reapproach in order to make this happen? And it's also important to know when you do need to throw in the towel a little bit. Some people are not ready or they're, they can't process or they don't want to process. And, and that's okay. That's on them. But it doesn't mean that you get out of the responsibility of having to try. That's really important. That's a very good point. I think, yeah, as we've all said, everybody, you have to have a level of respect to receive, right? If, if someone is lecturing you, you don't hold a, a ground level of respect for them. It's going to go in and out one year. And it's going to be different for everybody because we all click with people differently. So I think within our residency program, kind of recognizing those strong connections you have with residents and each one, you know, each resident has that attending and then kind of intentionally recognizing, Hey, you're their person. So help them with X, Y, and Z. And I think speaking to that, like not everybody's going to be your person No, and be okay with that. Yeah, You're going to work with nurses, techs, other doctors that are, you're not going to be their jam. And so be okay with that and work with the team that you've got and uh, try to build relationships to maybe expand it, but be, be completely fine with it. Well, I want to thank my guests, Hannah Lurie, Molly Estes, and Nick Meyer for coming on to talk about that important episode and the discussion around Always Be Teaching. 
To learn more about our show, please visit emovereasy.com and follow us on one of our social media platforms. And don't forget, we are the official podcast for the ACOAP or the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. Head on over to acoap.org today to learn more about this great organization and one of their upcoming CME opportunities where you might have the chance to see us, the EM Over Easy crew, live and in person. Until next time, thanks so much.